Hello everyone and welcome back to the Aristopod. For those joining us for the first time, my name is Vanessa and this podcast was created to have a space where we can talk about everything going on in the work and private life of the royals, in particular the British royal family, obviously in good form and with no harm intended towards the people I speak of in each episode. Keep in mind I am not an investigative journalist nor a reporter, so the content I provide is my opinion based on factual information but also on allegations, suppositions and unconfirmed reports. I always make it clear when I'm talking about facts and when I'm not and I will try to provide sources for the information on which I found my opinion. But always, always head directly to the palace for the most up-to-date, unbiased and confirmed information. If you have any questions, suggestions or comments, message me at thearistopod.tumblr.com where you can also find the links for the information I speak of in each episode. Before we begin, I want to thank all of you for the incredible support the podcast received last week. In seven days, it was listened to over 70 times, which is crazy. And I received so many messages, so many tips, advice, everything, and it really means so much to me. I was extremely nervous, I still am, about the podcast for so many reasons. You know, speaking in a foreign tongue for such a long period of time in one sitting, for how it's going to be received, how will I phrase things to get my point across, etc. And so it was lovely and it has been wonderful to receive so much support and I'm really, really thankful for that. I'm also extremely happy about the fact that the podcast is already on so many platforms including Spotify and Google Podcast. Hopefully, I mean, we will be joining so many more soon. And always, always, always check the Tumblr for updates on that. And there you can also see all the platforms in which this is available. So you can listen to it wherever it works for you. But okay, today's episode is about William and Catherine's recent visit to Ireland which was made at the request of the Foreign and Commonwealth Office, the FCO. And although they didn't explicitly say it, it's pretty obvious to me that it's part of the so-called Brexit charm offensive in which the UK sends the royals to visit throughout Europe as a way to soften their relationship with that country in the middle of Brexit. This trip was also the first official visit to an, to an European country since the UK left the European Union in January. So, of course, it was very, very important. I think the FCO FCO made the perfect choice by asking the Cambridges to go. The Queen visited in 2011, the Sussex in 2018. And I believe Charles visited last year, but I don't recall exactly when. But this time around, having William and Kate go was wonderful because they're obviously important. They are the future king and his wife. But they're still young, they're very fun, and so they can easily make events very light-hearted and bring so much attention to them and to the country. So it was the perfect mix and it resulted in a wonderful mini-tour in which there was a little bit of everything. I loved this visit. I thought William and Catherine looked so in love and it was so sweet to see them. And that's what I'm going to focus on this episode, the way the two have grown up so much in the past couple of years and how that is reflecting on their work. But first, let's do a quick recap on today's and everything they did on their visit. 
Her Royal Highnesses arrived at Dublin Airport on Tuesday afternoon in an Aer Lingus flight. They were received upon arrival by the British ambassador. They flew in a commercial flight. The Sussex landed in a private plane, obviously so did the Queen. And although royals usually don't have a say in their method of transportation to events, I thought it was great that the team or whoever it was who was organising the logistics picked a commercial airline and in particular an Irish commercial airline for this journey. On the same note, on several engagements I saw a Jaguar that I believe is the I-Pace model, which is of course the brand's electric SUV. And I'm not that good with cars, so I can't say it is for sure that one. And I can't confirm if the couple used it or not, because for some events I saw them arriving in Range Rovers. But if it is, then I applaud the team once more, because it is wonderful to see them use it using electric vehicles and to see them flying commercial when the royal family is talking a lot about climate change and the effect it, the effect it has on the planet and everything that they work with, you know, animal preservation, etc. And so it's fun to see those words backed with actions. Um, the first stop was to Aras and Uksaran, I'm definitely not pronouncing that right, which is the official residence of the Irish president. They were received by the presidential couple, Michael and Sabina Higgins, and they attended a meeting followed by tea with the Higgins, the British ambassador to Ireland, and the Irish ambassador to the UK. William, Catherine and the Higgins then headed to the gardens where they rang the peace bell, which, is, which was installed to mark the 10th anniversary, anniversary of the Belfast Agreement, which is the, the peace agreement between the British and Irish governments, and that decided how Northern Ireland would be governed. And so it was, of course, very poignant to see them, particularly William, a future king, being present like that and obviously um, recalling and marking the way, so the way Britain has come with, in the times with Ireland and how far they've come from such a turbulent history to present date where the Queen has visited and now the future king has visited it, it is. It was really beautiful to see. Um, obviously, Irish Irish history, and in particular the history with the British people, is very complicated, very long. I won't bore you with the details, which I'm sure you all know already. But it was really, really beautiful to see them marking that that new friendship, relative new friendship with this event. But I have to say, my favorite thing about this first event was. Broad, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but broad is means pride and is the name of the presidential couple's dog. I think they have two dogs because I recall when Harry and Meghan visited that there were two dogs, but this time only Broad was present, and he was so so adorable. He was following the cabbages around. He would like you know lean into William so he would get some scratches, then lean into Kate. I love that dog. <laughs> I was seeing him and I was like. That's the cutest thing I've ever seen. Like, bring Lupo next time because I love seeing dogs. But yes, after the visit with the the event with the presidential couple, the Royal Highnesses visited the Garden of Remembrance, which is dedicated to those who lost their lives in the front in the fight for Irish freedom. They walked through the garden and laid the wreath with a message that said, quote, 
may we never forget the lessons of history as we continue to build a brighter future together. End quote. This visit to a garden follows the steps of Queen Elizabeth, who visited in 2011. So, of course, they are honoring that visit, that historical and important visit. They next attended a meeting with the Taisha. This episode would be just me mispronouncing everything. But the Taisha is the position of the Prime Minister and is the head of the government in Ireland, currently held by Leo Varadkar. And because they arrived in the afternoon, they didn't squeeze that many engagements for the first day, which was a bit disappointing because, of course, we always want to see see them and see more of them. But um, I thought it would be it would have been lovely if they had spent three, four days in Ireland. Again, I don't think they had much say in that, perhaps other than asking not to leave before the school run. So this is not criticism so Cambridge's just that it would have been nice to see more of them. In regards to fashion, Catherine wore a bespoke Catherine Walker coat. We obviously don't know the price, but I thought it was funny that she wore it just the day after. I was talking on my blog with Ananan about how often Kate would wear bespoke clothes and the press would say, this cost, this coat is believed to have cost a thousand pounds. And I have spoken with some of the brands and a bespoke garment like the one pinpointed by the press usually costs around four thousand pounds upwards. I'm obviously not saying this is how much this particular code cost, but that I always find it funny that the press underestimates how much bespoke pieces cost. Uh, but well, I suppose that's chatter for an episode. The code was lovely, maybe a bit too similar to a green one she already owns by Catherine Walker. But as it is the arrival outfit for an official visit, I let that pass for this time. <laughs> Underneath, she wore a dress by Alessandra Rich. Rich? I'm not sure. And when I first saw pictures of her wearing print, just like any print in general, I was, oh no, this can go bad really quick. And it received mixed opinions, let's say. Some were saying that it was worse than the edem, the mustard yellow edem that she wore to Sweden. I have to say... It's not that bad. You know, prints, picking prints is definitely not Kate's best quality. But keeping that in mind, this wasn't too terrible. I do think the fit was a bit off because Kate has a, like, broad shoulders. Well, relatively broad shoulders. And she has narrow hips. And the high collar with the billowing sleeves accentuated the shoulders while the skirt even when the small peplum detail it had made the hips seem even more narrow and I think an A-line dress like the ones she so often wears or even a slim fit like the Jenny Packham she wore landing in Canada in 2016 would have accentuated her figure and looked far better however I loved the buttons Kate had the original buttons of the dress swapped for a smaller version of those on her coat and I love little details like that one. My presumption is that this modification was made at Catherine Walker or by Kate's own private dressmaker. 
but I thought it was a lovely, lovely touch. Kate also carried a new LK Bennett clutch. That's alright, I mean, it's okay. And she repeated pumps by Emmy London that were made as a customised order at the time, but they are now available for purchase. I love Emmy. Emmy is a lovely woman. Her team is the best. They're incredibly helpful and all her designs are gorgeous. So for me, anytime Kate wears Emmy London, it's a win for me. <laughs> you know, um, in general, I really, really like the style and I really like that she wears them so often. There was also talk about her new hairstyle, which is only a slight trim. I didn't realise at first she had gotten a haircut. But I didn't love the way it was styled for this look because wearing a headband with your hair pulled back can very quickly make your face look square. And with this light bounce at the shoulders, I don't know, I thought it really made Kate's features look severe. I would have preferred a softer look with her hair pinned back with loads of curls and volume the way we saw her at the... Holocaust, Holocaust Memorial Day in Westminster in January. That type of hairstyle. I think it would have softened her look far more. And also, she debuted a new pair of earrings by Asprey. Gorgeous, a bit expensive, at just over $20,000. But my assumption is that they were a gift. Yet, to be honest, I don't mind the cost. Um, I think they can afford it. Maybe it's not the best in terms of optics, but Camila has worn earrings that cost a hundred thousand dollars before. So, you know, and they're lovely, so it's fine by me. In the evening, the couple attended a reception hosted by the British ambassador at Guinness Storehouse Gravity, Gravity Bar, where they met with Irish people from the creative arts, the sport, the business and charity sectors. sectors. I thought this event was very cute. William made some remarks and even joked that he rarely followed his grandmother into a pub because obviously the Queen visited in 2011. And I thought it was very nice. It was clear that they had a wonderful time. And I was particularly watching if Kate would drink her glass of beer. And to me, it seemed as though she barely sipped at it. Like, I saw her, like, make the toast and then, like, kind of, like, sip. And that was it. And I was like, you know, down that glass now. <laughs> because those who follow me know that I'm less than enthusiastic about a fourth Cambridge baby. So I'm crossing my fingers. I hope this doesn't mean anything. And she just didn't fancy having beer that evening. <laughs> um... A moment that I think is worth mentioning of the reception is a small controversy when William was speaking to a paramedic of the National Ambulance Service and he said, quote, I bet everyone's like, I've got coronavirus, I'm dying. And you're like, no, you've just got a cough, end quote. And apparently he also questioned if the media coverage was excessive, saying, quote, it does seem quite dramatic about coronavirus at the moment. Is it being a little hyped up, do you think, by the media? Unquote. And then he said, quote, By the way, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge are spreading coronavirus. Sorry. 
We're keeping an eye on that, so do tell us if we need to stop. Unquote. Uh, now, I'm personally not concerned about this virus. I probably should be, because while first world countries can trust in their health services to deal with this type of emergencies, um, you know, you can generally trust that you're being given truthful information and that the issue is being handled. I live in a region where I can't say the same thing with 100% certainty, maybe with that 70% certainty um, because of a plethora of issues that I wouldn't even get into. But what, I want, what I'm trying to say with this is that I agree with William. There's unfortunately a mass panic around this virus and a lot of people will consider a cough as a clear sign that you've caught the coronavirus. But I am not the future king of the United Kingdom. While I don't think that what he said was super controversial and, you know, like this ruined the visit forever, as a royal, you have to be very tactful and joking over the virus while there is British people infected in the midst of a worrying outbreak in Italy, and considering it can be lethal to a population at risk, and there's already British people deceased, I believe two or three people have succumbed to a disease. Um, maybe you shouldn't be joking about it three times in one night on a reception where you're highlighting your own country. You know, like, I, I don't think it was the right time. On this point, I want to comment on a few messages sent by Annans on the matter. One said, Ugh, William, why did he have to say that? The entire island tour will now be overshadowed by, by his ignorant comment. Well, fortunately it wasn't. Another said, I don't think it's that big of a deal that Will jokes about Corona. He didn't do it with those who have it. You have to consider the recipient of the joke. He's also European and although some places have had a lot of cases, it's isolated for now. Even the WHO president said that the worry about getting the virus is what's causing the panic, not the virus itself. Regular flu kills more people every year than COVID-19. COVID-19. But I'm a nurse, so I probably have a different perspective. On this one, I see your point. But again, as a royal, I don't think it was the right call. And then I received this Anon, who I think hit the, the nail on the head, saying, Sometimes I think William tries so hard to relate to everyone on a personal level, it gets him in trouble on a royal level. His brother is sort of infamous for this. I get what he was saying to a paramedic. I think most people who work in healthcare get it. We talk and joke about weird things that the general population wouldn't find funny. Regardless of William's comments, the focus of the evening was Kate's new dress by the label The Vampire's Wife, which has so many amazing designs on the website, some that I really, really think Catherine would wear in the future. It is very much a look with loads of lace, structured shoulders, narrow waist, things that I believe would look wonderful on her and that I hope we can see more of it in the future. And this dress in particular was the most gorgeous deep forest green shade. I loved it. 
I love the look, love that she wore Manolo Blahnik's shoes with it because we haven't seen her wear the designer since 2011, I believe. And I love that she paired it with gold accessories. My only two cents would be that the hair pulled back would have showcased the gold earrings and a different smaller clutch would have looked better. It would have made the entire outfit seem more polished. But I do have to say, and I'm not trying to sound creepy with this, but her undergarments or the lining of the dress was impeccable. You know, it gave Catherine a gorgeous figure. It made her like, I don't know, like it was so beautiful, particularly in the chest area. It made her look so 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 good that it really really made the entire look it was a wonderful outfit a plus from me and so yeah that was day one more formal heads of state in training and his wife like and of course this resulted in not too many casual moments as it was obviously appropriate day two was different they visited the jigsaw national center for youth and mental health which per victoria murphy quote provides a range of mental health services, including one-on-one therapy sessions, community programs, research, online support, and program in secondary schools. Um, This obviously ties with the work on the mental health sector and the work with youth. Um, They then visited uh, Savannah House, which I understand is a facility offering overnight stays to young people. And there was a funny moment because they were going to make soup, so they went to a shop to a nearby shop to buy ingredients and they then returned to prepare the soup they also played some ping pong you know it was a really fun casual yet meaningful event so i was a fan but the thing most people talk about was catherine's look because she wore a rice 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 i don't know how to pronounce the brand i never knew how Uh, But a coat that is a good 12 years old plus. And yes, underneath there was like a cute blouse and high-waisted jeans that were very, very flattering. But everyone was raving over the coat. And honestly, I liked it more before. It seems like it was tailored and some weight was removed from the collar and the skirt. And I really liked the big puffy look. But honestly, it just screams early 2000s fashion to me and it just looks a tad out of place so many years later so many years down the road but i do appreciate the little throwback she also wore shamrock earrings which are cute but i was also thinking okay yesterday you only wore green now shamrocks we get it you're you're in ireland maybe turn it down a little bit um but it was fine of course the couple changed and then visited a farm before taking a walk on Howth Cliff, which overlooks the Irish Sea. And oh my gosh, if there's anybody from Ireland listening, what a gorgeous country you guys have. The scenery was unbelievable. The Cambridges obviously loved it too. And they were so loved up throughout the walk. At one point, they were walking arm in arm. And we also saw, saw them having a picture taken of them by the private photographer. They later released one of these pictures to the public. You know, it was extremely sweet to see them so relaxed and happy. And I think it showed just how much they have grown in the past few years. Because I recall in 2016, they were in Bhutan visiting the Tiger's Nest Monastery. 
And the reporters from the Royal Rota had been told that if the couple got to the top, there would be a small photo opportunity, photo call for them. But when they did get to the top, William and Kate's staff, I don't recall exactly who it was, but it was likely the communication secretary at the time, um, told the Royal Rota that they wouldn't be posing for photographs because they wanted time on their own. And I remember at the time, it ruffled some feathers because along the trail they had been given time on their own without the reporters and at the end of the day they were there on an official visit at an event it wasn't them taking a stroll in the morning just because and this in particular was very I don't want to say controversial but it was like you know very a very tense environment because it came at a time the visit to India and Bhutan when the press surrounding William and Kate wasn't very positive, they had a seemingly anti-press attitude, not only on this matter of, like, leave us alone while we are walking up Tiger's Nest, but on other things. So, in my opinion, at the time, it was a bad move on their part. However, this time around, they passed by some photographers and William just joked, fancy seeing you up here, you know, far more relaxed, far more comfortable and I really liked seeing the cambridges having grown this way of course um, in regards to fashion for these events Kate wore a jacket by Dubery which is an Irish brand of course and beneath she wore a shirt by from the Batball X Alexa Chung collection which I loved because I love French brands and I think Alexa Chung is wait, wait hold on is Bubble French I can't recall. They are, aren't they? Hold on, I'm quickly googling it because I. Oh, they're not. They're British brand. Well, never mind. Um, scratch that. I didn't say that, <laughs> but I do like. I really like the brand, regardless. I'm confusing it with Chameau. Chameau is French, but whatever. In general, I really like this brand, and I think Alexa Chung is super cool, and so I was a fan of both this year's and last year's joint collections. And I liked seeing Kate wear it. I thought it was so cute. It was very beautiful. And I hope she wears more pieces from both collections. What I didn't like were her Penelope Silver boots that are, I don't know, a thousand years old. I think they've been around since like 2004 or earlier. And honestly, they annoy me <laughs> so much. I think they break any look they're in because... They don't seem comfortable. Apparently they are because Kate never stops wearing them. But they simply don't match with anything that she wears. You know, she she was wearing a jacket with a parka-like fabric. She was wearing plaid and then leather boots. And it was like, how how does this... This doesn't match, you know? Um, I wish she had worn wellies or... I don't know. I don't know. Someone get her brown wellies or black wellies so she can so she can stop wearing this leather boot to garden events, to school, to hike, to do whatever. Because uh, I'm super over these boots. I I dislike them more than the terrible wedges that she used to love. The huge blue platform ones they were by Rosalind Bromley, I believe. No, 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 no. Hate them. Hate them. Hate them. Optimistically. I hope that it's the last time we see them, but honestly, I doubt it. So, 
I, I shouldn't get my hopes up. Setting aside my distaste for the terrible boots, these outfits were very popular because Kate was wearing very old pieces and some thought that that was del deliberate, you know, and Anon echoed this sentiment, telling me, Honestly, what a power move from Kate to bring out 15-year-old boots and a 12-year-old coat. Kinda seemed like she wanted to remind everyone how long she's been around, outside of it just being more economic. And yet, her and William's relationship is even older than the boots, and they're just as in love still. The hard eyes are out of control, but please, no baby. Yes, please, no baby, <laughs> but I definitely see your point. That being said, I think Kate, to me, Kate seems like a person that is, that doesn't care about proving a point. You know, like she wasn't even a full-time royal until almost seven years into her marriage. So I honestly think she just wore this coat and this boot because she liked them. Maybe as a way to cut cost, but definitely not to remind everyone how long she's been around and how well she's doing so many years later. From a PR point of view, it was amazing because it helps with the image that the Cambridges have as this stable set of couple. So from that perspective, I always like seeing all pieces being reworn, but I definitely didn't think that's necessarily Kate's intention behind wearing them. The last event of the second day was a reception at the Museum of Literature, which opened just last year. I believe it was summer, but I don't recall. Um, it was a reception hosted by the Taniste. <laughs> Sorry to our Irish listeners for that pronunciation. Um, but he's the deputy head of government and the gentleman who hosts this position, Simon Coveney, is also the country's minister for foreign affairs and trade. So, if, of course, in this reception, the importance of the Irish-British relations in the middle of Brexit resurfaced. William highlighted this in his remarks, talking of how far they've come, complimenting the country. And Coveney also gave his remarks talking about the importance of the visit. It was a small reception. There were about 100 guests. And we also learned that Coveney's children wrote letters to George, Charlotte and Louis, which was obviously a cute little inside joke, inside, you know, thing. It was lovely. I like it. In regards to fashion, uh, well, positives. Kate wore Jimmy Choo shoes and carried a Jimmy Choo cl clutch in the Romy and Celeste stars, respectively. And I love those designs, so if she wore them every day, fine by me. The dress. Um, I saw a lot of people online being like, ooh, she's wearing vintage Oscar de la Renta. And I hate to say this, but the fact that the dress is from a designer and is 20-year-old 20, 20 plus doesn't make it pretty. And I think this was proof of that. I d didn't like the colour. I didn't like the ruffles. I didn't like the collar. I didn't like the shoulders. I didn't like the fabric, which was like a thin and crinkly and reminded me of tissue paper. You know, the tiny dots. Uh, you know, the velvet sleeve creams and the belt were nine, nice, I suppose. But I suspect they were added by Kate because they don't really 
seem to be part of the rest of the design. And usually when it's a, it's a very loose dress, as we saw even later this visit, Kate tends to add a belt. So my guess is that this was added by her personal dressmaker. Uh, but in general, I think Kate can do so much better than this. And, uh, you know, I suppose it's good that she didn't wear green once more. But uh, this isn't what I was aiming for, certainly. But well, third day, final day, was in Galway, which is this year's European capital of culture. And so the events centered around the culture of the city, of course. They saw displays, performances. William even tried juggling. And he was surprisingly good at it. Uh, with three balls, because with four, it was obviously a disaster. I can't even do it with two, so <laughs> not judging. And this event, I thought, was super cute because William and Catherine were like teenagers. Like They spent all their time whispering to each other. William was winking at her. Kate was giggling and batting her eyelashes. And I was like, well, good to know your marriage is doing well, <laughs> you know. Um, and this kind of flirting type of vibe showed even more as they visited a pub and William was like was like calling Kate and telling her to sit next to him then he would scoot closer to her Kate was playing with a baby at that point I was like oh no <laughs> it's like step away woman um but it was so beautiful you so cute so cute so sweet and at one point I remember they were gifted a bottle of whiskey which is called Middleton very rare and William was flirting and you know like he winked at Kate and he went, oh yes, it, it's one in a million. You know, and Kate was like giggling once more. And I was like, okay. I was rolling my eyes at that point because I was like, you two stop it. Like, this is too much. You know, it was obviously all incredibly sweet. Like, I can't say enough because we never see the camera just be like this open with the with their PDA which is something I appreciate because I'm personally I don't like PDA at all and so see them normalizing that is amazing um, both of these events ended with a walkabout and so many people went to see them and they spread out to greet as many as they could you know it was a very wholesome event very cute <laughs> um, for the visit to the pub and the early events, Kate wore a customized dress by Susanna in green. She added a black belt, her trusty Rolf Lauren suede boot, and rewore on top her bespoke Alexander McQueen coat, which she, which she wore in January to go to visit Bradford in England. She also added a new Jimmy Choo clutch that I like, but I'm not a huge fan of because it features the brand's logo. And... I prefer it when people, particularly royals, wear designer items that are subtle and they aren't screaming where they're from. But it's still some, a nice piece. Um, it was an outfit. All right. I mean, I didn't hate it. I thought I liked it. But I feel like some tweaks could have been made to make it like a perfect outfit. You know, minimal things like the belt was a bit too wide for the dress which was like very light spring-like and I think it would have looked better with a simple you know thin black belt for instance because I was saying recent because the dress was so light 
I think the boots didn't really match it. I think slim heels, like a black sweat, Romy, Jimmy Choo Romy's, would have looked better. And the coat, to be honest, I was never a fan of the coat. I didn't like it in January. I don't like it now. But because she only wore it on top and like very briefly, I don't mind it that much this time around. Um, she wore green again, which is fine. But, you know, on official visits, royals have to be very careful threading the line between dressing to honor the country and looking like you're following a theme. Because, you know, this also happens in diplomats. I don't know if you guys remember when Justin Trudeau and his family were in India and at one point they looked like they were wearing costumes. You know, they were dressed in traditional Indian garments, but it looked a bit ridiculous and a bunch of white Canadians. And, you know, that's kind of the look the royals should avoid. You, they need to look respectful and like they're honouring, but not like to go over the top, because when they go over the top, it looks like they're mocking it more than respecting it. And... Seeing Kate wear green on green and then green with gold and then green on green again plus shamrock earrings, shamrock necklace, you know, it's like it becomes a bit too much. Wearing the dress in the original blue the product came in would have been a welcome break after so much green on the first date. And also, I'm pretty sure this is information available to the public, so I'm going to say it, but usually customizing garments on a different color or you know like a different fit and making it made to order from brands you know especially exclusive british london-based brands like susana tends to cost hundreds of pounds sometimes sometimes it costs a thousand pounds just to change the color and this takes weeks to be done you know it's obviously you have to go be measured and you know it's like it's not worth it for this event in particular to go through all of that work to wear green after you go green and then green and then green you know it's like a blue would have been easier cheaper better i don't know but well let's leave the talk of cost and fashion for another episode this episode this outfit wasn't bad you know like in a random london engagement i would have been fine with it i would have been like oh that's cute but in this context of a visit to Ireland, again, it feels excessive. But well, the last event of the visit was a sports engagement, which I know many of you like. You like to see Sporty Kate. Um, they visited the Gaelic Association to watch Gaelic football and hurling, which is a type of Irish sport where they grab like, I don't know how to describe it, but they basically they swing balls, I think the balls around and it looked fun i'm not a huge sporty person and because of that i'm not the biggest fan of sport events but they do provide wonderful pictures especially of kate as she's so expressive and so it was very fun seeing her like at the one point everyone looked alarmed i read online that apparently she almost broke a window i don't know but it was really fun seeing it for this final look she wore a coral orange sweater she also owns this sweater in red. She wore it in Canada in 2016. And most people thought it was a nod to the Irish flag. And honestly, that seems like something Kate would do. So I think they're spot on. Uh, it was very bright. Uh, you know, like very in your eyes orange. 
and say I didn't really like that you know like intense look at me color but for this event in particular and taking the context in in you know in t- having the context in mind it was a cute it was a comfy outfit you know it was, like, it was sweet you know it's a winter morning it's an event it was all right but well after that event they were off back to the UK and the visit was over and what a great visit as I said before it was a good mix of casual and formal events it was serious enough for the importance of you know the occasion but also it was casual enough that people wasn't with the guards up and you know with the gloves on all the time I personally thought it was a success there was no major controversies and Honestly, it felt like a breath of fresh air after everything that's been going on in the family this past few months. On a more private life level, outside of the work aspect, I was amazed at how good William and Kate were. You know, this is a couple that used to be extremely close off, you know, reclusive, sometimes boring. And it's been wonderful to see them come on their own, you know, with Catherine. She has become so comfortable in her role. I first noticed this after Louis was born, but it seems like after the third baby, when they had just settled in London for good and become full-time working members of the royal family, she shifted from a very shy new royal to this confident royal, you know, she walks in. She has her head high above her shoulders and she almost screams, been there, done that, tried to get at me, you know? And even though she's still sweet, soft, cute, there's certainly something different around her. It's obviously been great as well to see her work more on the LEG sector. But overall, I think there's a very evident difference and I'm so happy to see it. And I think Kate's shift has made William more relaxed in his own role. Because throughout the first few years of marriage, he was very clear in that he was protecting Kate, that he wanted her to have a smooth entry into her family, that he wanted her to do things at her own place and once she was comfortable to do them. And now that she seems to be comfortable, it seems like he is too. You know, lately he's also been more present in the more serious working aspects of the royal family. He's now attending several meetings about the Duchy of Cornwall. He was included in the talks on what to do with Andrew after the recent scandal and also on the Sussex exit. So, in general, he seems to be growing into the role of future king, which I thought was wonderful. And seeing the relationship be on such good levels after so many years of marriage, well, not, it's not... Like they've been married for 80 years, but, you know, it is almost 10 years, say. It is quite some time. As an unknown told me, and I quote on this on their message, it's so crazy how in love William and Kate look. You can literally see the hard eyes all the time. They always look so in tune with one another that lately, I think since the Pakistan tour, they're literally glowing. It's sickening, but in a good way <laughs> to be that in love with someone. And I agree, you know, they, throughout the visit, they were a pair of loved up teenagers, uh, but without going over the top, which, again, I love it. They're definitely glowing, and it's amazing. 
that being said, there's still room for improvement for both of them. They can still do more engagement. Um, please, if anyone from the team is somehow listening to this, I beg you, more engagement, please. They have raised the numbers. You know, William in particular, Kate was of course on maternity leave until spring last year, so hopefully this year her numbers will be better. But um, the numbers are improving. I believe William is at around 50 engagements and Kate is at about 40 for 2020. So it's not critically low. It's around 20-25 engagements a month. And if they continue like this, by the end, William will have done 300 engagements and Kate 240 or so, which is a, sounds like a dream. Like <laughs> I love it. And I do have to say that something I like is that the engagements the engagements William and Catherine do are very specific and they are in line with the rest of the work, which is wonderful. You know, it's not like Kate goes and opens an exhibit because, well, she she's opening an exhibit. No, she, it's, she's opening an exhibit that is about this, that relates to her work because of this. She was involved, involved in the exhibit doing this and this, 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 this. You know, so there's like clear clear thread between each of them and the events they do which I think is wonderful and is essential for a royal because most people frankly don't follow the royals like and even those who follow the royals usually don't follow their engagements they are like oh look at the clothes look at the marriage look at the baby look at the house and so when they have very specific engagements even if one person sees only one of those engagements they can see a bigger picture of everything that the royal does. So again, I like it. That's pretty fine. Um, tie with this, I really hope they don't have more children. Don't get me wrong. Having kids is their choice to make and theirs only. And if Kate announces she's pregnant tomorrow, I'll be happy for her. I'll be happy happy over another cute Cambridge baby. I will congratulate them, etc. But they have been saying they're stepping up since, I don't know, 2012. And there's always something interrupting that, you know. William gets a job. They're living in Wales. Catherine gets pregnant. William gets another job. She's pregnant. They move to Norfolk. They move into London. She's pregnant again. And so all I ask is, please, at the very least, just one year, just one year, one year of an entire year with uninterrupted events. Please, hold off the full charge on the 2021. Right now, there's so many things going on within the family. I don't think is the right time. And again, I'm not them, nor I'm close to them. So maybe for them, it's the perfect time. But from a public perspective, right now, William and Kate need to show how hardworking they are they need to be out there, they need to do more engagements, and the baby obviously and justifiably gets in the way of that. Um, especially if Kate, when she gets pregnant, gets sick with, with AG again, and if she takes off the whole year she's entitled to of maternity leave, as she's done in the past. So, my conclusion of the visit is that it was great, and it was the right step in the right direction, and that I hope the Cambridges stay like this because seeing them out working is amazing. 10 out of 10 from me. 
So yes, what do you think of the visit? That's all from the Cambridges for the week. We will see them tomorrow at Commonwealth Day service with the rest of the royal family and in the evening Kate will host a reception for the 25th anniversary of Place to Be, which is a charity that she's been supporting since before she even became royal. A quick programming note. I had thought to make the next episode, the episode for next week, about the Sussex and their return to the UK, but frankly I'm exhausted <laughs> seeing them. I'm so over them right now. I simply don't feel like researching their events, what Meghan wore, etc. And so I'm considering and thinking that next episode I'll make it about the Commonwealth Day service, how the family was interacting and you know anything interesting that may have happened in the service, plus tomorrow's reception or other events of the week. And then I was thinking on making the other episode on fashion, you know, talking about the brands Royals wear, particularly Kate because she's the royal whose fashion I follow the most, but also other well-known fashion brands she's never worn, and talking about the process of bespoke pieces, how they differ, they, they differentiate from custom pieces, and talking about haute couture and what is the cherry on top for me, which is the craftsmanship and the cost behind the pieces, how oftentimes papers get wrong the prices or the work behind each piece, and in general the entire logistics behind ensuring the perfect outfit for the wrong way and in our case for a visit, for an official visit or for an event and how the royals manage to get them done on time. And often the royal staff travel to a location to see which colors, colors match, etc. All of that. If that's something you'd like, you'd like to see, let me know because of course I want to talk about things that are fun for me, but also that are fun for you. But yes, that's all from me for tonight. If you have any questions, suggestions or comments, please send them to me at thearistopod.tumblr.com. I hope you have a wonderful week and I'll see you soon.